You are listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans, where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs in a year without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 66. This week, we'll discuss the best songs of 1991. Let's take a second to remember 91. Operation Desert Storm begins as the U.S. attacks Iraq to defend Kuwait. Rodney King was beaten on tape and serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer is arrested. But in lighter news, the Super Nintendo system was released. New TV shows included Home Improvement, The Jerry Springer Show, and Talk Soup. Canceled TV shows, 21 Jump Street, 30-something, and Twin Peaks. Top movies included The Silence of the Lambs, Point Break, Terminator 2, Thelma and Louise, City Slickers, and Beauty and the Beast. As for the music, oh, this could be the best year for music ever. For that, let's turn it over to your host, Rob Heitman. Audio pro Jeff Stewart and concert addict and fan of Thelma and Louise's Twin Peaks, Ralph McKinley. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Welcome to the Dirty Dozen podcast. We'll rank the Dirty Dozen or top 12 songs from 1991 while discussing that year's music and pounding back a few drinks. I'm Rob. I'm Jeff. And I'm Ralph. Hey, we'd like to thank everybody who's been active on Facebook. While I can't give a shout out to everyone, I'll call out a few each week. Deb Rousey, Linda Breach, Megan LeMay, and of course, Alex Hennon, who's been the rock of the community. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part, everybody. So welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Thank Rob, for having us. It's yeah. nice. It's the first time you two are together, right? Yeah, it That's is, right. absolutely. Yeah, because you two are like some of the, the main co-hosts besides Jay. Uh, we're just the ones with all the free time, Rob. We, no, everyone else is busy. <laughs> yeah, we have nothing else good. to do. I'll second that. All right. What do you remember? Uh, let's start with Ralph. What do you remember about 1991? Do any of the movies or shows that I mentioned? It's all uh, about the music. Yeah. And Dahmer. And Dahmer. Yeah. A little bit big. of a scary story. So I got a, a good friend that lives in Milwaukee. Went and visited him, I don't know, 25 years ago. And... Uh, it's like, so what do you do in Milwaukee? Like, you know, what can you show me? A couple of bars. Oh, yeah. You want to go to where Jeffrey Dahmer used to live? So a little bit of a freak show. I imagine. Did a drive by. Did, did you say yes? <laughs> I did. Okay. Yeah, why not? Let's go yeah, see where yeah. Dahmer used Just to live. Just don't look in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good Lord. Silence of the Lambs. Hello, Clarence. Yeah. Very, very interesting movie. And it ties in with the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I remember, like you said, the music. I remember the Nirvana thing. I remember Nirvana on Saturday Night Live. Sure, sure. I remember trying to break down the lyrics of that song just by listening to radio with some friends of mine trying to figure out what it was. Oh, I'm sure that went well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Huh? Stop that. Stop that again. Wait a minute. I thought you were in my club of lyrics are overrated. We were breaking them down. I was gotcha. just sitting there going, I don't know what this means. Gotcha. Okay, I'll forget this. I don't know. <laughs> I think you said raw. A mosquito. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, okay. Move on. I just like the, I like the riff. Desert Storm kind of started that whole thing that was so impactful mm, yeah. at that point. I was at a camp, I remember. I think I was a counselor. Like, yeah, I think we just invaded Kuwait. We're mm. like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. It's like, wait, what's going on? And of course, no one had a cell phone and we, we didn't have TV. So we were just kind of going what the main guys were telling us. So, Or it was, it was actually Iraq just invaded Kuwait. Yeah, Iraq and, invaded Kuwait and, and then we, we were defending Kuwait. We were, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. That's when we were trying to figure out if we were going to go in or not and what was going to happen. So yeah, it was weird. Weird time. Yeah, no. Jerry Springer show? Come on. No, I never watched Jerry Springer show. You watch it. Nobody not. ever admits to watching Jerry Springer show. A couple. I did. Yeah, a couple I mean, episodes. I guess I would catch it, but it was on during the day. You know, we were busy. No, I know. And, and Terminator 2, I just love that jump in technology. They had the second one. The first two were really good, and then they started going down, whatever. But on a, but that second movie, no, we had never seen anything like that. 
Yeah, it was, you know, so, it was, it was so amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was a huge leap forward. Yeah, yeah, with the technology they could do, and yeah. Anyone else a Point Break fan? Keanu Reeves. Yeah, well, he dressed as president, right? <laughs> yes, it was. Does either one of you have anything even remotely interesting to tell me? Caught my first tube this morning. Yeah, that's like a classic one. Johnny Utah, right? Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Utah. Utah. Look yeah. at you. Yeah, he's like, I'm an FBI agent. I'm an FBI agent. Yeah, whatever. Didn't you play football at Ohio State till you blew your knee out? That's good stuff right there. <laughs> okay, so what's everybody drinking today? I, I'll start off. I am drinking Monkey Shoulder. It's a blended malt scotch whiskey. There you go. And it's really, really solid. It has a lot of flavor. And it's relatively cheap, depending on where you are. I'm in California, so there's nothing really that cheap. Is it but, cheaper than gasoline? Uh, it's just about, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. No, it's, it's, it's around $30. <laughs> so gasoline. Okay. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's not even close to a fill-up. I drive I drive one of those gas-guzzling subs. Yeah. And I'm you just... You to $80 a uh, fill-up? Oh, it's awful. Here in California, you're going to have to pay premium. And that, of course, is five seventeen. Last time I filled up. Mm. For those of you who don't live in California, it's a utopia here. You really should come. <laughs> home of the $5 gas. You get stabbed by a homeless guy with a rusty sprinkler key. It's just, it's amazing. You should all come. I haven't had the second one, but. No, it, well, it's the 517. The odds could. are. Yeah. Yeah. The odds are. I'm drinking the a really exotic Buffalo Trace. Oh, okay. uh, Just because it was on the shelf and I had it. And you can't find this anywhere right now. It's I think they're pretty much sold out everywhere. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I think it's having a hard time. So You're going to knock that bottle out tonight. No, that's oh, God, I can't. No, no, no. That's no. fine. That's why, I, that's why I got something, too. Exactly. I'm and, going with beer here tonight. Stone Scorpion Bowl IPA. And I'm looking at the label here and it says, a punch to the stinger. Oh, my. I'm not asking what you're smoking. What are you drinking? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, a no, Scorpion no. Bowl. That's right. No, that's good stuff, though. I've had that before. It's it so, is It's good. a First solid time. IPA and it's not. Did it's, we have that I, when we did the Scorpions podcast? I, it sounds like we, it, we you, may you have. We may yeah, have. or something like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think the cool thing about that is it's if you're you're an IPA fan, it's decent. But if you're not an IPA fan and everybody else is drinking IPAs and they have that, it's really good for first time IPAers if it's not as bitter. Yeah, because that's what we had then. Because I'm not an IPA fan and that was actually pretty good. Yeah, and most people like that. It's sort of the entry drug into IPAs from Budweiser or the Coors Light that you generally drink. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs of 1991 and we'll share around 20 seconds of each tune unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, then we may do a second clip. We have made a Spotify playlist, just search Best Songs of 1991 to listen to our list. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to the artists we discuss. We have also created a current episode Dirty Dozen Podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. We decided to link a song with the year the album was released because songs can chart in multiple years. We felt this was the best way to avoid duplication over the podcast. The way this works is we combine our individual top 12 lists to create our official Dirty Dozen for 91. We'll count down the official list from 12 to 1. Nice and simple. But before we get going with the list, we'll each talk about a song that wouldn't be in our top 12, but we'd still like to discuss. We call this our song of note. So, Jeff, what's your song of note? My song of note is No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, nice. like the riff. It's cool. I mean, it's, you know, it's got keyboard piece in it. It's got that kind of middle part. It's long. Most of the radio, they've pared it down. It's kind of a long song. Seven something minutes, I think, which it's is long 723. for It's 7.23. I think that's yeah. my biggest note to this song. It's just yeah. way too long. It, it is. And that's why it was cut down for the radio. That, that kind of ethereal piece in the middle just doesn't need to be there. Yeah. So Zach Wilde's crunching guitar. Yeah. Is wonderful in this song. Was this 
Correct me if I'm Was this Zach's first album mm-hmm. with Ozzy? No, uh, no, no Rest for the Wicked. Okay, yeah. I'm not a huge Zach fan, but he did have a good tone in this album, I thought. Yeah, No Rest for the Wicked. I love that album. Yeah. Just my little Crazy Babies mark. is kind of cool. When, he, when, that, when that song first came out, we, those pinch harmonics he was doing, no one really did that in the rhythm of the song, so it set Zach up. But that's a different album, so let's not talk about that. Yeah, but he, the great thing about Zach is he didn't try to be Randy Rhodes, which was right. the great thing about him. He, yeah, I also he did, made his own thing. Yeah, that's true. The cool thing, I mean, this is about a stalker who hunts for women in the red light district, so it has that dark undertone that Ozzy mm-hmm. is kind of known for. Mm-hmm. This is the first album, No More Tears, mm-hmm. allegedly, mm-hmm. that Ozzy ever recorded while he was sober. What does sober really? mean for Ozzy? Yeah. So, <laughs> sober means only medication prescribed by the doctor. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. I just trying to, I'm trying to, there's, you know, there's a, there's a floor and then you kind of go from there. So, okay. All right. Let's listen to Jeff's song of note, No More Tears, off of the No More Tears album by Ozzy Osbourne. Okay, that was No More Tears, Jeff's Song of Note. So, Ralph, you probably did something heavy, too. What's your Song of Note? You know, Rob, typically I would do something heavy for you, but I'm changing gears here. I'm, I'm, I'm turning a new leaf on uh, Song of Note. Mm. All right. Okay. I've got a pop song here from Jesus Jones. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Right here, right now. Well, it's one of those songs that was really popular, so I get it. Really popular. It was fitting for the time. Yep, the, exactly. The wall was coming down. That's what it was about. You know, that's good. good. Exactly. So, yeah, these guys are kind of a one-hit wonder. You know, this had huge hit written all over it. They had, like, one other song that was fairly big, but this was kind of it for Jesus yeah. Jones. If you're putting a time capsule together for this year, this song goes in it, right? That's exactly how it ended up in my list. There you go. Let's listen to Right Here, Right Now by Jesus Jones. On their album, Doubt, let's take a listen. Okay, that was Right Here, Right Now by Jesus Jones, Ralph's Song of Note. Now let's move over to one of my favorite songs of all time. Not not really, but it was one of those songs that I... It is. I love it, actually. But I couldn't see putting it in the top 12. Mm-hmm. Anthrax and Public Enemy on mm-hmm. Anthrax's album, Attack of the Killer Bees. Anthrax did a cover of a Public Enemy song called Bring the Noise. Completely changed the music. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a rap song. Yeah. The rap is... It's fairly similar, but the music is so different. And it blew me away when I heard it because it was so heavy and the lyric attack was great. I remember the Public Enemy guys with Anthrax in the video. I thought it was so cool to hear a real metal band that I liked a lot doing something that was kind of along the edge. And Public Enemy is kind of that way too. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't run DMC. It's Public Enemy, which is a really hardcore rap band as opposed to the more pop-centric other ones. I love the interplay with Flavor Flav and Chuck D and Scott. Scott yeah. Ian did a great job of rapping in this. He did. You know, of course, you got to love Flavor. Yeah, boy! He does all that stuff. I have mixed emotions about this song. It did open up a whole new genre of music, honestly, that was coming. 
But the problem was it opened the door for Limp Biscuit to become a hit, become a big band. And so I, there's, you know, you, you there's, can't you take blame the the bat. for Limp Biscuit. Uh, you can in hindsight. Yeah. You absolutely can. So was this the second big hit behind Walk This Way? You know, Run DMC, Aerosmith. Yeah, but this uh, Aerosmith and Run DMC, it was more of a pop. It, it was poppy. Pop and pop. This yeah. was the he- this was merging rap and heavy metal. Yeah. It was hardcore rap yeah. and thrash metal. Yes, exactly. So it, it was so different. It was so cool for me because I was an Anthrax fan. Pretty yeah. right. All of a sudden, I heard Anthrax on regular radio. Oh yeah, yeah. which which was really cool. <clears throat> right. And they, they actually went on tour with, together. Yeah, with Public Enemy. They opened. Nice. Public Enemy opened. Yeah, they opened. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, Chuck D. is like the first couple times we went on, they just destroyed us because <laughs> we didn't know anything about lighting. We didn't know anything about the whole oh yeah setting. And it's like he said, like, we hired a, a lighting guy, and then we were on par with them. We do different things, but it was kind of like yeah, the show just, looked the same. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know who opened for both of them? Tell me. Primus. No way. Yes. Primus. What a bill that is. I know. Good I was, Lord. I was like, oh my, I wish I would have went. Super progressive, the super hardcore rap to, to thrash. Yeah. It's That's like, It's like everything. It's all in one there. That's great. Good choice, Rob. I, I hadn't heard this song in probably 10 years and then saw it on the list and listened to it you know, 10 times over the past month and excellent song. All right. Let's listen to my song of no, Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy. Off of Anthrax album, Attack of the Killer Bees. Let's listen. Lessons I'm saying is not music that the critics are blasting before. They'll never care for the brothers and sisters. Why, cause the country has us up for the war. We got to get them straight. Come on now. They're going to have to wait until we get it right. Radio stations like question their blackness. They call us a black, but we'll see them real late. Turn it up. Bring the All right, that was Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy, my song of note. And now it's time for the main event. Here we go. It's time for the main event. Let's jump into the Dirty Dozen. Well, let's move on to number 12. Our first one. This song was only on one of our lists, and it was not on mine. It was not on Jeff's. It was on Ralph's. Mm-hmm. Off of the Mama Set album, the artist is Lenny Kravitz. It ain't over till it's over. As Ralph continues down the path of these heavy songs. <laughs> so can you lead us off, my friend? Yeah, great. So I start off with Jesus Jones, and now I'm going with a, a very soft Lenny Kravitz tune here. So this is obviously just a gigantic hit for Lenny. It's got like that Motown feel to it. His guitar work in it is very, very cool. This is really a chick song. Can I say that? It could be. Yeah, that's fine. You'll be getting emails, not us. So. <laughs> this is the 1990s, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're going that's back true. in time. That's true. Right, awesome. No, just a fun song. I just remember this album coming out. Huge, huge hit for Lenny. You know what it's about, right? No, I don't. He was married to Lisa Bonet. Yes. From the Cosby Show. From the Cosby Show, yeah. Right. And Angel Heart, which I always remember with her, which oh, was crazy. <laughs> he wrote this to her. As they were dealing with problems, and he's like, it ain't over till it's over. Let's try and make this work. That sort of thing. How'd that turn out? They were married in 87. <laughs> And he wrote this in 91, mm-hmm. and they were divorced in 93. So yeah. He worked for a couple years. There you go. He didn't want to be the artist that recorded this. Correct. He actually wanted it to be a Smokey Robinson song. And I can kind of see the vibe on it. Yeah. But he sang it, and it ended up 
leading his career off, really. Yeah. And he made a good choice, I guess, for his career. The horn section at the end of this is played by the same brass section from Earth, Wind, and Fire. All right. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty interesting. And he played every instrument on this track besides the horns that I just talked about. Oh, interesting. He played every instrument on a lot of his tracks. Let's listen to the number 12 song overall. It ain't over till it's over by Lenny Kravitz. Let's listen. That's It Ain't Over Till It's Over by Lenny Kravitz. Oh, uh, yeah. Good song. Good song. Popular in all the elevators of the of the world. <laughs> I'm leaving. Music has that big building in Burbank just because of the song. <laughs> no, no. It's a good song. It's a good R&B. It's kind of like a nice, you know, cozy yeah, with your woman by the fire. Exactly. It can't miss. Telling up. Yeah. All right. Now let's move on to something different for sure. A, a poppier song. Uh, mm. This is number 11. This is off of my list. Nobody okay. else's. Mm. The name of the album is Pocket Full of Kryptonite uh, yeah. by the Spin Doctors. Mm-hmm. And the song is Two Princes. Sure. It was just huge. Huge chunk. Just missed my list. It was a huge song. Yeah, it really was. You can't badmouth Kravitz and then come out with Spin Doctors. No. But go ahead. I love the drum fill where it even kicks it off. To your point, the progression is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's so, so catchy. And Chris's delivery, especially when he scats, the rapid lyrics in the pre, he's just very good at being articulate with a lot of words. Yep. Unless you see him live, but good, I can talk about that in a minute. Good producer. A real nice vibey guitar solo in there. I kind of like it. The drum only chorus when they did yeah. do that. Uh-huh. Great. I saw them play with Soul Asylum and oh, Screaming wow. Trees. That, that makes complete mm. sense. In New Jersey and the other bands mopped the floor with them. The thing with the Spin Doctors in the day, you could see them on a good night and they were amazing. Okay. Or you can see them when they were ultra high. <laughs> right. Like yeah, okay. I did that night. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Which but one was better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the ones where they were not high or something. Maybe it was yeah. just, maybe they were just trying to create a new song for all of their popular songs. Right. Yeah. But I tell you what, Pocket Full of Kryptonite, that album is a solid listen all the way through it. I love the whole album. I mean, this song is formulaic in a sense, but the way it's written, the way it's constructed, especially for this time frame, it just sat in there kind of perfectly one of the cool things i found on this is there's a misheard lyric he says i know what a prince and lover ought to be and a lot of people didn't think that's what he said a prince and lover ought to be right Mm -hmm. they thought at first it was princeton lover (laughs) ought to be and i lived in jersey so that that would probably be a little bit more or prison lover (laughs) okay i know what a prison lover ought to be that that song takes a completely different turn at that point (laughs) completely different there were two princes yeah i'm gonna um Steal a quote from our buddy Jake. Meh. It was a hit. It, well, huge well, hit. Listen, yeah, listen. It was obviously a huge hit. You got to love the list because it ain't over till it's over, you know? <laughs> that was good. We're not over you yet. You know what? Oh, That's, yeah. That was good. Oh, yeah. Okay, time to play the song. All right, let's listen to number 11, Two Princes by the Spin Doctors off a pocket full of kryptonite. That was Two Princes by the Spin Doctors off of Pocket Full of Kryptonite, our number 11. Awesome. All right, let's move to number 10. So I had a song 
that was only on my list. You Uh-oh. had a song that was only on your list. Uh-oh. And now, Jeff, you have a song that's only on your list. Our number 10. What this was this? is a, a huge song for the year. Mm-hmm. On the softer side, but mm-hmm. it was a band trying to find their new way. The band is R.E.M. Mm-hmm. The album is Out of Time, and the song is Losing My Religion. This is a huge hit. It really was at the time. It was different for them. It wasn't Orange Crush or anything. It was it was a little bit different than what they had done in the past. Sure. Um, for me, so this is one of the Sunburst songs that I'm going to call. We did it live um, for a group of high schoolers, about 400 at the time. Sure. So this was one of the songs we did. It was huge at the time. It was uh, had some interesting lyrics. You know, there's no guitar in the song. It's all mandolin, right? So, there's guitar in the song too. It's hidden. It's but hidden. There's plenty. You in have there, to actually. listen. You have to actually listen for it. It's, it's a lot of lead guitar, and they actually yes. have somebody playing acoustic as well. But that's another sidebar. Yeah, it sits on the back. So I, this is a huge song. It's good for them. I'm not a huge REM fan, but I didn't think this could be off of my list for this year. Oh no, it's a solid song. The fact that Peter Buck ended up picking up the mandolin for this, he wasn't a mandolin player, and he just picked it up and tried to figure it out. Yeah. Peter says, "I'm proud to say that." Every bit of mandolin on the record was recorded live. I did no overdubbing. If you listen closely, in one of the verses, there's a place where I muffed it. And I said, well, I can't go back and punch it. It's supposed to be a live track, and that's the whole idea. Yeah, Jeff, I think you hit the nail on that. This this is a very, very good song. Um, I'm, I'm a, I do enjoy R.E.M., not not a big big fan of REM, but this this is a, a good little placeholder for 1991. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I'm more of the guitar forward as you can imagine uh rem but i i did like the mandolin when you sit back and listen to it on this yeah very unfortunate that they lost their religion there you go <laughs> it's hard when you have it and then you realize that you put it down and you don't really realize where you put it and you have to you can't find my religion so he didn't lose your on. he didn't lose it you're saying he misplaced his religion is what you're saying yeah, yeah. okay but hopefully he, he, he set it down he, walked he, away he was losing okay. it and then because to find my uh find my religion app wasn't working on <laughs> was his iphone yet? <laughs> yet. The song's probably about something completely different than that but it probably is yeah it's probably about yeah his dog's name was religion actually yeah. actually it isn't actually about losing religion in okay. all seriousness it's about losing faith in the person you're losing your religion in the your love for a person or your friendship with a person mm-hmm. you're losing that religion that you used to be able to count on this person and now you don't know if you can people will let you down rob yes let's listen to losing my religion by rem on the album out of time art number 10 let's take a listen that's me in the corner Well, that was number 10, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Great tune. Let's move from the number 10 to the number 9. Mm-hmm. And this one's going to be a little heavier. Okay. This is off of the album for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Okay. Of course, the artist is Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And this is on my list, but it's not on anybody's list. Although Jeff has a song on this yes. album, but not this one. problem with a lot of the albums this year, they had three or four good songs in each one so sometimes yep. we're splitting the vote yeah, so occasionally this happens yeah. this was my four 
Okay. It's Pound Cake by yep. Van Halen. I love the power drill at the beginning. Yeah. Mr. Big was doing it this time, too, in fact, well, the same uh, year. Mr. Big did it, but really? I don't think Eddie yeah. actually, he was, they recorded it a year earlier, too, yes. you know, so he wouldn't have seen And that. they used it differently. So yeah. Eddie used the motor for the drill for the pickups to pick it up because of the magnetic field, and Mr. Big did it by gluing picks to the end of the drill and, and picking pick, it huh. past. So... Same device, just used it in different ways. But it was interesting that Eddie said that the way that he found out about it is he actually had his guitar on and he was changing something with his pickups. Constantly tinkering. And he realized that it was in the same key as the song they were playing. Interesting. So he's like, oh my God, let's use that in the beginning. And then Pound Cake shut off. And Pound Cake is not about like these, if you look at the video, you see all these hot women and crazy. It's Fanny Mm -hmm. Allen video, right? But it's all about the more normal girl next door mm-hmm. a more pound cake type of girl not one of these girls who's all dressed up like one of these fancy cakes so not a birthday cake not a wedding cake nothing like super fancy yeah simple pound cake mm-hmm. is really what they were missing they were missing the reality and the the simple goodness of of women because they were getting all of the the women that would go to a rock show and want to have sex with you as opposed to just a normal person you know you're making me hungry rob <laughs> poor guys <laughs> i feel bad for him. I, I hope that's for cake but the big guitar sounds he plays a 12 string guitar in a lot of this hmm, okay so that's why it's so really yeah he does so it's for those big chords he's using a 12 string throwing it through so a it's, it's fatter, fatter. It's thicker, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's one of my favorite van hagar tunes <laughs> i'll agree with that it's vocals cut through so well i love the harmonics eddie uses in the verse all of the, the things that Eddie does, just lightly... All the color Eddie has. Yeah, and it's so nice. And the solo has a bunch of good flashes in it. It's not necessarily an Eddie solo that I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. But you can feel the Eddiness of the solo, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, you always know it's him. Yeah. They, I feel like he spent probably 16 hours a day in the studio just tinkering around. Oh, that's what he... Yeah, he was the, he's, he was the modern less Paul, in yeah. a sense, right? I mean, he just would build things and try things and... What happens if I take this pick up and do this and flip it around or whatever? Well, Rob, you're right. This is the definitely the better of the um, the Van Hagar songs. And, you know, I, I'm not a big Van Hagar uh, guy, but four or five good tunes. This is probably one or two. Yeah. So, Pound Cake, our number nine. Let's listen to some goodness. Let's listen to some Eddie. I wish I could play more than 15 seconds for y'all. Tell you what. What you need to do is you can go and listen to the Spotify playlist for this. Please listen. Because this is such a good song, you have to hear the whole thing. All right, let's listen to Pound Cake off of Four Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. What does that spell? Um, never mind. Oh, never mind. Then that's another album. Okay. <laughs> let's take a listen. Okay, that was number nine, Pound Cake by Van Halen off of the Four Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album. So, there you go. <laughs> I'm really glad this podcast isn't live. <laughs> oh, come on. It would, be, it, it would be more R-rated if it was live. That's all right. Uh, we were talking about the uh, origins of the album name. Boom Boom Mancini is involved. <laughs> Ray Boom Boom Mancini? Ray Boom Boom Mancini was talking to Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar, they said, do. Sammy Hagar said that he wanted to name this album F with expletive. And he's like, oh, for unlawful carnal knowledge. He goes, what? He goes, yeah, that's what they used to put people in the stockades in the middle of the town. They tie them up and they put the initials for unlawful carnal knowledge on the thing. And that's where that word comes from. And that's how it ended up becoming the album name. 
So I tried to do that kind of taste. Good stuff. You did. You did okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move to number eight. We talked about number eight in podcast number 52. 52. Good Lord. This is off of an album called Gish. The artist is Smashing Pumpkins. The song is I Am One, and it's only on one person's list. Ralph's number three overall. Oh, wow. Number three. Yeah. yeah. Tell so, me about uh, it. So, fell in love with this whole album, and as I was just going through the extensive catalog of Smashing Pumpkins, this landed on my number one Smashing Pumpkins song. Number three tonight for me, or number eight, just love the way this song opens up with the bass line, and then the guitar work. Corgan's vocals and his voice sometimes are a little squeaky, I guess I'll call it, but this song, he just hits it perfectly with his vocals and Interestingly enough, this is one of the first songs that he ever wrote. So it's like, he's probably like 19, 20 year old writing songs like this. It's just unbelievable. Oh, that, it's great. That, yeah. that a 20 year old or a 19 year old writes wow. a, a tune like this. Ralph, I have a question for you. Yes. Ralph has a history of doing something. Where is this song on the album? Number one. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> Opening song from Gish. <laughs> like every time we do it, an artist, he would pick the first song off an album. And yeah. it's like, this is the same Very sort true. of thing. They put, I, it, I, they I put it on there for a reason. Yeah. I, I can't uh, get past the first song. So I just listen to the first song over and over. That's funny. There you go. Uh, the drums are so good. The bass is like kicking in. I love the feel of the when the guitars just hit. And the solo is really cool. Like if you yeah. listen to it in, you. in your headphones, you can hear the two guitars on different speakers. Yeah, there's two different leads going on at the yeah. same time, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's a, interesting. he's a really good guitar player. Yes. No, I mean it's a great song. It really is. I mean, let's let, let's listen to it and we'll we'll throw in some stuff at the end. Okay. Let's listen to number eight, I Am One by Smashing Pumpkins off of Gish. That is I Am One by The Smashing Pumpkins off of Gish, our number eight. Good song. Great groove. It is. It is. Great yeah. guitar work. Yeah, the guitar, is, the guitar is really solid on that. Yeah. The next song we're going to talk about is number seven. Mm. We talked about this artist in episode number 22 of our podcast. Ralph, you didn't have this one on yours. Ouch. But we mm. both did. Yeah, must be a good one. <laughs> this is off the album Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic. Mm. By the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and the name of the song is Under the Bridge. Hmm. And it's much higher on your list. It was 11 on mine. It's four on mine. And it's four on yours, so yeah. take the lead, my friend. Another summer song. For this year, I mean, I think this kicked them into the high gear that they were in for the 90s, right? The entire time. Literally high For the money. Yeah, well, that. Well, that album was massive. It was huge. It was yeah. absolutely huge. This was a departure for them in a sense of the slower, quieter song. And more, more meaningful too. More fairness. meaningful song. It wasn't just a. You it doesn't suck my kiss. It wasn't it's, suck my kiss. Yeah. It wasn't you know the the funk that they were known for in the eighties. Yeah. A little bit more meaningful. Shante's guitar is just his tone in this is just really it's amazing. Fan, you know, so. fantastic. Yeah. And Rick Rubin said my thinking was that the Chili Peppers weren't limited to just being a funk band and rapping. I remember Anthony was so embarrassed to show the song to the other guys in the band, but he sang it to John, and John came up with his part, mm -hmm. and then he played it for Flea, and Flea came up with his part. And it ended up being just a really good song, even though they didn't realize how good it was going to be when people started hearing it. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I'm I mean, glad. it's a good producer, you know. Yeah. 
I'm glad this ended up on the list. I, I struggled not having a Chili Peppers song. Right. Good for you guys for getting it on there. You know, it, something off of this album had to be yep. on there. It was just such a huge album. For yeah, we year, had to cut right? Muddy Kravitz. <laughs> yes. That's it. I'm throwing beer bottles now. <laughs> <laughs> the violence is starting. Yeah. All right. Oh, my God. Stop. Oh, 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 oh. oh. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just playing. In the video, one thing that just jumped at me in the video, I was watching the video again. I figured, Ketis running towards you? No, but Ketis <laughs> reminded me. I was like, what does Ketis remind me of? And his is, I didn't read this anywhere. This is just my own perception. Right. In Ketis, he sort of feels like Keanu Reeves of rock and roll. <laughs> It's in just, what way? It, it's just he's acting and he looks like he's acting. <laughs> is this the video where he's running? He's acting for you? himself, but for no yeah, one else. Yeah, yeah, with the chariots of fire. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, right. No, no, yeah. it's like he's acting, but he's obviously acting. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? Yeah, it's it's right. like Keanu Reeves when he's acting. Put this look on your face. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll do that and he'll yeah. overemphasize a word or whatever yeah. it is. Going back to Point Break earlier. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the chariots of fire running that he's doing or whatever he's doing. <laughs> Fantastic. And Flea, even though he's not forward in this song if you really step back and just focus on the bass there's some really nice parts it's not as aggressive front of it's, the, the it, show stuff but this one is laid really back good. it actually it's he's letting it the song he's kind of flow John exactly this, yeah. exactly all right let's listen to under the bridge by the red hot chili peppers offer their wonderful album blood sugar sex magic and that's magic with a k people all right let's take a listen to our number seven I don't ever want to feel like I did that day. But take me to the place I love. Take me all the way. I don't ever want to feel like I did that day. But take me to the place I love. Okay, that was Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, our number seven. So let's roll into number six. This is finally, finally, we're all on board. Hey, Amazing. Number six. If I gave you the episode number this we discussed this band on. I know uh, exactly what it is. It should, I, should I just say it? It's episode one. Yeah, it's okay. I know exactly what it is. It's uh, by Soundgarden off of their Bad Motor Finger album. And the name of the song is Rusty Cage. Mm -hmm. This was on all of our lists, but was on Ralph's highest. So, Ralph, you can lead us off, my friend. Number four for my list. Awesome. This is one of the best Soundgarden songs. Cornell and the vocals are off the charts here. The guitar work is just unbelievable. It's just mm -hmm. got a great groove. The twin guitars sure. going on in the this The breakdown song. after that second chorus where it just they break everything down. It just, and you know, I said, I'm going to break my Rusty Cage. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a great song. And run. It's one of their favorite songs. I think this is the most played song in concert that they ever did. Okay. Oh, okay. I remember Cornell saying that this was just a fun song for them to play. Because at some parts the guitars double, and then they do different stuff, and they come back, and then the groove changes, and the time signature changes once or twice, I think, through it. So, Have we all seen Soundgarden? I have seen Soundgarden live, yes. I have not. Oh, okay. I saw them at Roseland, but yeah. I saw them in Chicago when I was there, so on the King Animal tour. So okay. when I was an older oh, man. Oh, wow. King yeah, Animal. I saw them late. Yeah, oh, I saw them late. I saw them late. Yeah, well, one of the last, second to the last Soundgarden tour. Right, right, right. So uh, it was great that night. But it's interesting with Kim, the way mm -hmm. he got that sound in mm -hmm. the beginning, because it doesn't sound normal. Right. And he had a wah pedal, and he, he recorded the wah pedal in low position. Okay. With the filter, so it's kind of thinned. Yeah. So it's like he's pulling back on the wah, right? And it's you can hear that as and that part it sounds so different. And it was Chris's idea to he actually said try that, right? And it just made it sound so different. 
Yeah, it almost sounds backwards. Got it. A little over halfway through the song, Chris's voice is pretty high pitched. Yeah. And, sure. and then he's got this baritone voice a little over halfway through the song for about a 30 seconds or something like that just well people rocks. think that oh he'll he's a tenor chris is a baritone he really? can just yes he's a baritone he can just sing up there okay yeah yeah chris said i have a vivid memory staring out my window and looking at the countryside and feeling pent up i never wrote any of the words down but somehow i remember them i wanted to create this hillbilly black sabbath crossover that i'd never heard before I thought it would be cool and possible, and Rusty Cage is what I came up with. He, he's, such an, he's such an underrated lyricist, too, I yeah, think. People focus great. on his vocal, but the, you know, he's burning dinosaur bones. The thought that has to go behind it. What's a better word for gasoline? All right, I'm going to be burning dinosaur bones. And Chris Garnell is another quote that I thought was amazing. He goes, we were the first band to get played on both Headbangers Bowl and 120 Minutes on MTV. Yep, that was one of the things they were most proud nice. of. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, fun. this is one of the albums where I was worried. I knew we were going to all have a Soundgarden song on there. And I was hoping yeah. we were going to click, and we, we obviously did. All right, let's listen to Rusty Cage by Soundgarden off of Bad Motorfinger, our number six. Okay, that was number six, Rusty Cage by Soundgarden off of Bad Motorfinger. And if you want to really dig into some Soundgarden, please check out episode one of the podcast. Really easy to find. Just go to the beginning of the big list. It's probably on page five or something by now, or six or whatever we are. I can't believe this is, what is, what are we at, 66 now? Did I say 66? I think you're right. 66. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. It's yep. like, we started all with Soundgarden and, and the episode 66, we're still talking about them. Anyway, let's move into the top five. Here we go. Drum roll, please. This is on everybody's list. Highest on mine, so I'll mm -hmm. start to talk. Off of an album called Temple of the Dog mm -hmm. by a band called Temple of the Dog. The name of the song is Hunger Strike. It's just a great tune that showcases Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell singing together, which is just amazing. The switch, the heavier part for that quick moment that comes after that second chorus and thereafter, after the chorus, really lifts the song. It has that awesome bend in it. Yeah, uh, right. Yep. Temple of the Dog began when Chris Cornell of Soundgarden wrote two songs to honor Andrew Wood of Mother Love Bone, who lost his life to heroin. Mm -hmm. Chris's and, roommate. Great band. And the band's name actually came from a song by Mother Love Bone, Man of Golden Words. Actually, let me just play a quick clip. Seems I've been living in the temple of the dog. If you oh, listen through that one yeah, in there, and that's yeah. where that came from. That's where we got it. And Eddie was just coming into town from San Diego, and he pretty much landed. And Eddie was sitting there while they were recording. He was in the studio, yeah. and Chris like, hey, why don't you let the, your, the, your new, new guy, guy sing? sing? Yeah. So people think that, oh, you know. Chris couldn't hit the low parts, so he had Eddie. No, no, no. He did it out of the goodness of his heart. He wrote the song. He's like, hey, you're new guy sing. What do I care? That's the way kind of Chris was. This is the first time Eddie Vedder is recorded yep. on an album. Yeah. Yep. And Jeff was like, oh, my God, our guy's really good. Yes. Yeah, he actually is really good. He can, he can sing on an album. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, the video, where they're mm -hmm. sitting around, and Eddie is really green to all of this. Chris is the professional. Right. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. What am I looking at? Where am I going? He goes, Eddie, this is what the director said. Pick a spot out in the distance and look stare at that. Stare at it. And, and stare sing. at it and sing. And that's what he does. You notice he's always looking away. Yeah. 
in all of the He's shots. a surfer from San Diego. What yeah. does he know? Right. Yeah. But he nails it. It's so good. It's like Talladega Nights. I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Uh, be good just to hold them down by okay. your side. Yeah, great. Right, it's that. <laughs> just, just stare in the distance and just sing. The you opening know. lyrics in this song are off the charts. Let me quote them for you here. I don't mind stealing bread from the mouths of decadents, but I can't feed on the powerless when my cap's already overfilled. Chris is a good lyricist. Yeah. Excellent fantastic. stuff. Yeah. That album, once again, what a fantastic yes. album straight through. Just listen to the whole album. Remember I heard they recorded this in two weeks. They didn't have any money. They were, yeah, I, I mean, Soundgarden was a band. Yeah. Like, uh, Pearl Jam wasn't, they were probably Mookie Blaylock at this point. Yeah, they, they were, yeah. yeah. Like you but said, it was all, it was done in two weeks. It was kind of thrown together, but it's just good musicians in a room that are singing and playing songs that actually mean something to them goes a long way. Well, they did a concert not too long ago. You're right, they did. They, yeah. they did a tour. Yeah, they did a tour they as Temple of the Dawn. And of course, I didn't go because I'm like, oh, I'll catch it next time. And of course, now I can And, and probably they wouldn't have played any of your favorite Audio Slave songs anyway. Uh, that's totally fine with me. <laughs> Totally fine with me. Actually, I liked Audio Slave. I, I, sh- I should say, I did actually like Audio Slave. On that note, uh, let's listen to Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog off the Temple of the Dog album. What a fantastic, fantastic song and album. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. If you're into that grunge type of vibe, this is totally it. It's sort of uh, reminds me almost on the same level as uh, Alice in Chains' Sap. SAP or whatever. Yeah. It's in that. It's just so mm-hmm. good. Every yeah. song is wonderful. That small EP kind of feel to it. Yeah. So let's listen to Hunger Strike, our number five. Okay, that was number five, Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog. Yeah, the two songs were Chris wrote Reach Down and Say Hello to Heaven, and then they just kind of filled out a rather the rest of the album after that. Yeah. They only had a plan to record those two. Yeah, and it, the whole album's solid straight through, and yeah. even though it's not all about Andy Wood, some of it could be. Call Me a Dog's great. Just a great album. Yeah, Call Me a Dog's not about Andy Wood. <laughs> it is not. Anyway, that was the number five, Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog. Let's move to number four, once again, on all of our lists. This is highest on Jeff's, so you're going to take the lead on this one. Okay, I think I have an idea. This is by the artist U2. Mm-hmm. The name of the album is Akung Baby, and mm-hmm. the name of the song is One. Yeah, another somber song, kind of. We did it in a college group, but pretty. it's a beautiful song. It the, is. the melody, the lyrics, again, I'm not a huge U2 fan, but... This is a really good song, and I have to give them their due. My opinion may be their best song. You two fans would argue with me, I'm sure, and say that I'm crazy. You know what? He's crazy. But I'll stay quiet. It's a beautiful song. It was interesting as they were starting to write this song. Uh, they were having a hard time as yeah. a band, and they decided to go. They're like, well, we need some more friction. We need to be in where things are changing, where they're happening. So they decided to record this in Berlin as the wall is falling. So they went there and hmm. thinking that being around a change will help inspire them. And it only ended up making them fight more. They were there for months mm-hmm. and they kept fighting and not talking. One is the only song that came out of, of those, those sessions. sessions yeah. Really? And they ha- ended up going back to Ireland uh-huh. and finishing it off. Really? And then they got inspired. Yeah. Everything came together. This moment in U2 could have 
dissolved U2. Right. But it made them find their new direction and it made them a stronger band. This song potentially saved U2. And there, there's a couple of songs you hear for the first time. I remember listening to one and instantly go, oh, this is going to make them millions and millions of dollars. You, you could just hear that this had radio hit sure. written all over it. Just, yeah. just a, a great, great song. I was lucky enough to see you two during this tour. Is this Zoo? Yes. Okay. Rosewell? No. Dodger Stadium. Okay. Fifth oh. row. Nice. Probably top five concerts for me. Really? Yeah. Just just a wonderful, wonderful night. But you couldn't see all the TVs. No, I could. <laughs> I was close enough. I could see them all. Uh, let's listen to number four. One by you two of Akung Baby. one by you two our number four such a pretty song it, it really is. is i don't know if you guys have heard everything goes back to chris cornell um he did a version of this so it's uh chris he, cornell saying one by you two he's saying one by you two kind of kind of well he he was do, putting together an album of covers and so he really liked this song so he googled one enter the lyrics that came up were that of one by metallica Oh my gosh. So he's like, well, what does this sound like? So he actually, if you Google it, YouTube it, it's on there, YouTube, uh, just say, you know, one Chris Cornell. It's U2's melody yep. over Metallica's lyrics. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. It is great. Well, let's listen for a second to Chris Cornell's version of one. U2 and Metallica. Yeah. Metallica lyrics, U2's melody. Let's listen for a quick second. That's just brilliant. Who would think of that? Chris Cornell. And oh my God. Anyway, that was one by you two, our number four. And that was Chris Cornell singing it. And he was singing the Metallica words for a U2 song, which fits perfectly as we move to our number three, which is by a band called Metallica <laughs> off of the Black Album. And the name of the song is Enter Sandman on all of our lists. Ralph and I both had it at number two. I will lead it off, I guess. Uh, the riff walk and then the wah emphasis is just so good. I love it. Uh, the drums enter with that heavy riff really beginning. Uh, Kirk actually wrote the main riff for the song, mm. but mm -hmm. Lars helped arrange it. Oh, interesting. Like he, That kind of makes sense. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah. But he didn't repeat it initially. It was, oh. It was da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then he moved on. And okay. Lars was like... No, okay, just repeat that first part like three times and then kick it off with the last one. Got it. So that's what Lars is really good at. People give him a lot of crap for drumming. <laughs> well, he is the drummer. Right, no, no, but I, I get it. <laughs> but he really arranges beautifully, and half of the Metallica songs wouldn't be as good as they were if Interesting. Lars wasn't in the I didn't show. know that. Yep. Uh, and the prayer in the middle is just a genius move, and uh, <laughs> lyrics are great. Although the song was not supposed to be about what was about. Well, what's it about, Rob? He originally wanted this to be about SIDS. 
Wow, what a the, the the baby dying at at night. Yeah, no, it's a sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's it's, what the yeah. song was supposed to be about. Wow, how uh, uplifting of a Rock, theme. Yeah, but Bob Rock said no. He started crying. We're not going to call it that. Bob Rock said no. We're not going to do that. Let's uh, good let's, lord. Let's lighten it up. Nobody, wait, wait. No, Enter Sandman is the lighter version of the original. Yes, yes. good lord. <laughs> the lyrics were supposed to be about that. Take my hand off to Never Neverland because he's dead. <laughs> All righty. I'm not going to be able to listen to the song a different right. way, uh, but, uh, the same but way now. Bob Rock. Uh, yeah, Bob Rock. He stopped that. He's yeah. like, listen, we can never, ever get that played on MTV if you do that. Let's not have a song about babies dying in the crib. So this is one of the most recognizable rock songs ever. Sure, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this took Metallica to a new level. Like, after this song, album... They're now touring the whole world, playing in front of 60,000, yeah. 70,000 fans. Well, they were touring before that, but yeah. No, this this put them in a different, yep. this put them in a different strategy. This, this went from arenas to stadiums. Stadiums, yeah. I so saw- I am not, just to be clear, I am not a Metallica fan, but this mm. couldn't not be on my list. This could yeah. not be on my list. We're both, had to be we're both huge Metallica. I, I know you are, but they're and not. And Justice for, for All, I've seen them, I saw them twice on that tour. Yeah. And at least... Or three times. I mean, three I times. think I've said in a previous podcast. I saw them on Monsters of Rock, so that was after Master of Puppets, probably. Oh, that'd be great. Right? Yeah. What was before this album? That was Injustice for All. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't Justice for All then. It was probably Injustice for All. Yeah, Again, it's not a Metallica guy. So. All right, I got to give you my Metallica song, which I, I may have done already before, Rob. But So I'm going to see a band at the Whiskey Go-Go called Rat. And I walk in, there's three bands opening up. The, the first band that comes out, and it's there's like 50 people at the whiskey go go, and four long hairs walk out and they just shred the place. It's Metallica, about the 20th time they ever played together. Right? Is this Dave or Kurt? This Dave, is, Dave Mustaine. It's this Dave. is before Cliff. Yeah, it's before oh, Cliff. before Cliff. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, Ralph is a, a card carrying member of yes, Metallica fan club. I am. Literally, oh, Lord. Now is this when they stood in front? I'm going to ruin your story. They no, stood no, in front no. and turned their back and. Gave the middle finger to everybody when Rat came on? No. Oh, okay. At least I didn't see I've that. Heard, well, I've heard those I've heard those stories. Yeah, I, I've heard them too. But Yeah, um, I didn't know if this was one of those times. I think they were too young in the business at that point. I don't think they cared. <laughs> well, at that point, they were- Well, maybe before, they did it in San yeah, Francisco, not yeah, in LA, right? Yeah, before they moved to San Francisco. When yeah. they moved to San Francisco is when they blew up. Wait, this is pre-San Francisco? Yeah, yeah this is pre-San Francisco. Oh, they didn't come down. No, they were playing as oh, they were- they This started is pre-San Francisco. Yeah. They started I know. in Norwalk. This is pre-San Francisco. Pre-San wow. Francisco, yeah. Wow. Bob Rock, you mentioned Bob Rock a minute ago, but the, the, the tom-tom sound that he gets from- Lars Ulrich, and then the crunching guitar that comes in after that. You know, I'm like, Bob Rock, great producer. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did, he did wonders. I mean, he didn't do it. I mean, the drums don't sound as good as St. Anger. I was just going <laughs> to say, did he do St. Anger? No, he did not. Good. I'm glad. Obviously I, not. <laughs> I could have t- I could have done those drums better. Uh, like hitting a 55-gallon drum that snare. <laughs> oh, you'll love this quote. Uh, Kirk Hammett, when he talked about how he created this. Right. This is Kirk. Well, Soundgarden had just put out Louder Than Love, and I was trying to capture their attitude towards big, heavy riffs. And it was about two in the morning. I put on a tape. Didn't think about it. When Lars heard the riff, he said, that's great. Just repeat the first part four times. And that was a suggestion that he gave, and it made it even more hooky. And there's something to that wah pedal that makes my gut going. People probably say, hey, he's hiding behind the wah, but that isn't the case. It's just these frequencies really bring out, you know, the kind of aggression in my approach. Yeah. 
Something. And because I have to mention all my music and heroes. Soundgarden was in part of his quote, so I yes, think and that. and Kurt is a huge Michael Shanker fan, so I have to yeah, mention that all the time. So it, my my musical heroes have to be mentioned in every podcast. So. Well, Good for you. Know. There you go. I didn't hear Zeitgeist. Yes, but we're still some time. I didn't do it in the last one either, Rob. So I was trying to hold off, but I'm going to throw a Zeitgeist in before we're done now, just because you said that. Oh, Ralph, what do you got? Anything? Yeah, just obviously wonderful song. Yeah. yeah. And I love the laugh at the end. That little nuances. <laughs> Again, producers. Yeah, it's so right. Good. They're the ones that come up with those little pieces. That- Rob, you mentioned the prayer about halfway through the song. That's apparently yeah. Bob Rock's six-year-old son. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to pay anybody. Who's, yeah. th- who's 35 now <laughs> yeah, suing exactly. the band yeah. for child, uh, child endangerment? Oh, wait, that was another bad thing. Yeah. Expo- exploitation. <laughs> All right. Let's play our number three song overall for 1991. One of the best years ever. Enter Sandman by Metallica off their Black album or their Metallica album, depending on how you call it. Let's take a listen. That was number three, Enter Sandman. It's an iconic song. The Sid song. <laughs> Fantastic. But baby's dying, everybody. Have fun. Did Schindler's List come out this year, too? They got a great Woo-hoo! night watching One of that. Them, yeah. that oh, gosh. Let's move to number two. This song, the album was named after a basketball player. The album was named after Mookie Blaylock, mm. whose number was 10. Mm-hmm. And that's why the album was called 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, our number two song overall is Pearl Jam. And the name of the song is Jeremy, and we all had this on our list. Yeah. And Ralph had it highest on his list, which was his number one. Number one. Yeah. I was number three, so I'm not far behind you. Yeah, I was three as well. There we go. (laughs) Just a wonderfully written rock song. It's written by Jeff Amant, the bassist for Mm -hmm. uh, Pearl Jam. Lyrics by Eddie Vedder. The third single off of 10. Obviously a wonderful, wonderful song, but I'm not a big video guy, but this video was very interesting it, it, it's eddie vetter he's basically singing and looking very i'm going to say demented the song is unfortunately about a very heavy subject where it was a, a true story yeah correct true story uh was it about babies dying in the crib it's just about it's, yeah <laughs> we're gonna stay very dark where a, a young yeah. man in high school walks name, into his class his name was jeremy deal yeah. he was a 15 year old sophomore at Richardson High School in Richardson, Texas. And on January 8th, 1991, he walked into the front of the class with a pistol. That same year that this and, was and, out? And he, when he was writing it, this is the last song yeah. that made the album, by the way. He uh, put it in his mouth and blew his head off in front of the class, which is what the song's about. And if you look at the video, that's why it's so dark. Correct, yeah. And, oh, yeah, no. Well, you know by the lyrics. And, I knew what it was by the and, lyrics. But, but Vetter, when you look at it, he looks normal at the beginning, but as he's going, you can see the craziness. Very demented. demented is the word, yeah. And it's almost like he's the devil trying to goad him into doing this. Yep. Because that's the question, right? You know, the question always is why, why, why? Right. Right. So I think he's trying to answer it. But it had to be something outside. Yeah. But just obviously dark song, dark lyrics, but... Um, but it's just a fantastic a one, yeah, song. No, it's just a... I hesitate to use but the, beautiful, but it is a great song. Let's go with that. No, but yep. It's super well written. It, yes. it is beautiful in the sense of, of lyrically and yep. melodically it is, right? And emotionally. I mean, yes. there's an emotional ride you take on in this. And even the the set and the video, not to make this just about the video, but 
they have that red sort of like tapestry background yeah. Yeah. and they have the, the chalkboard, chalkboard yeah. hanging by wires. Originally they had him actually shooting the gun off and seeing some of the blood come out in the video, but they had a, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't going to fly, but you'll see him bring the gun to his mouth in the video. And then they cut to the classmates. Now where you see the blood on them, it's the yeah. splatter. Yeah. Right. And like kind of a frozen moment. So Pearl Jam brought this video to Epic and Epic just said, there's absolutely no way <laughs> that you're going to get this on MTV and we're not going to, you know, finance this or, or promote this at all. Mm-hmm. And then Jeremy became such a huge hit that eventually they kind of changed it around a little bit, softened it up apparently, and then released it. Oh, a little it. bit, yeah. yeah just just a little said, bit. Just the graphicness yeah. at the end. Yeah. 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 But the song itself, the way it's structured, I mean, the beginning, you think that's a, you think that's a guitar at the beginning, but it's it's a bass. I think it's a 12-string mm-hmm. yeah. that Jeff's yeah, playing. It is. And it's it, you amazing, know, it, yeah. It's a really good song. And again, we do yeah. want to say beautiful, but it's a really good song. Yeah, it, very, very good. Let's listen to number two, Jeremy by Pearl Jam. Off of the 10 album, one of the albums you should own if you don't. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And actually, buy this on vinyl. Come on, step it up. All right, let's listen to Jeremy. Our number two. So number two, Jeremy by Pearl Jam off of the 10 album. That leaves one album that came out in 1991. What album could it be? Gee. I don't know. I could guess, but never mind. I'll figure it out. Actually, (laughs) uh, never mind is the album. And the artist is Nirvana. Of course, we have this on our list. What's the song, Rob? Smells Like Teen Spirit. And this (laughs) this is my number one. This is Jeff's number one, and this is Ralph's number five. Yeah, it has to be on the list, right? Yeah, I mean, it can't, it can't not be in the top 12. Where it falls in, okay, fine. So, but it's got to be in there. I mean, Take it away, sir. This changed a lot. Yep. Everything. This changed music overall. This introduced grunts, but it killed the hair metal. Yep. Because it, it looked and sounded different. There was nothing that sounded like this. The video was what really blew this up. I mean, we'll play it on like Headbangers Ball or something. Right. And they played it after midnight that once and that everything blew up from it. It's like, oh my God. What is this? Yeah. When you hear that and you see the video of these high school kids just destroying the gym and they're going crazy and the angst in his voice. Teenage angst. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this thing. It's like, oh my God, this isn't. Motley Crue, this isn't that. This is these guys singing from somewhere else. This is rock, but different. I think maybe it was more raw in the sense of it wasn't flash. It was just t-shirt and jeans. Flannel. We're, you know, we're playing we're playing Jaguars. We're just, you know, playing basic stuff. And, and almost intentionally sloppy. Yeah, because it was, we weren't worried about the flash and the perfection and the neatness of everything. Right? Maybe they were in the studio. Maybe they were behind the scenes. But it didn't come off that way. Right? We're wearing t-shirt and jeans, we're not wearing spandex, and, yeah. and we're not teasing our hair up. And we're just playing straight ahead music. But the music was sophisticated in a sense. It wasn't power chords the whole way through. It was, we're going to play something at a nine in there, or yep. at a seven, and do something a little bit different. Even though even though he didn't really know he was doing that. He didn't really know he was doing it, but it's the reason that a lot of those guys did it is because it sounded cool. Mm-hmm. And 
it purposely sounded different than the hair metal guys. Mm. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, it changed music in the 90s because now everybody's copying grunge. Yep. Those guys will say, the reason we wore flannels is because they were cheap. Next thing we know, a few years later, we look in catalogs and the $5 shirts we bought are about 300 bucks now, yep. right? And it was Flash in the Pan. It died a few years later, but... We need a Nevermind album in 2021 is what we need. We, we need a shift here. And it'll happen, right? At some point. I'm I don't waiting. know when, but it'll happen. Have you heard the last Greta Van Fleet album? <laughs> yes, I did. It was called Into the Outdoor. <laughs> Into the Outdoor. <laughs> oh, it's called Zeppelin IV. Oh. Very... Sorry, digress. The story behind mm-hmm. this song you guys know it? No. Why don't you tell us, Rob? Okay. Kurt dated the drummer, Toby Vale, from Bikini Kill. <laughs> they say, you, you no. dated Dave Grohl? I yeah. missed this whole Toby Vale from Bikini Kill, uh, before Courtney, before he mar- married his wife, she used Teen Spirit deodorant. Smells like Teen Spirit was and, a, yes. And, and one day, the bands were partying at Kurt's apartment, and when the lead singer Kathleen graffitied, Kurt smells like Teen Spirit on his bedroom wall, seeing like, even though he's moved on to somebody else, he, he still, still has. he still has Teen Spirit on him, meaning right. that she still kind of marked her territory, if you will. Six months later, she got a call from Kurt asking if he could use what she wrote on the wall for a lyric. Hilarious. And Hannah said, I thought, how's he going to use Kurt smells like Teen Spirit in a lyric? Watch me. <laughs> if you watch the commercial, it'll actually... It'll explain a lot of why Kurt did what he did, because he was the antithesis of it. It's a physical sensation. Teen Spirit. Antiperspirant made for you and your generation. Teen Spirit. A physical sensation with fragrance is made for you. Teen Spirit. The harder you play, the harder it works. Teen Spirit. Just for teen time and Yes. Oh, by the way. Was he actually in the commercial? He was. I don't think he was in the commercial. Oh, okay. I'd have to look a little closer, but <laughs> no. I'm, I, I'll, I'll have to go on a limb and say probably not. But I do want to say one thing, Rob, about this song, that this song was in the zeitgeist for this year and from now on. It's there. It's in the zeitgeist. It really is. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about zeitgeist? What's happening here? Going it's, back to a lot of couple episodes before or whatever. Every episode episodes I've done. Before, yeah. he, he had mentioned zeitgeist in it, and the zeitgeist mm-hmm. is pretty much like in the... Culture, culture it's out there, yeah. and it's a, it's a Pumpkins album, right? It probably it is. Was, yes. Yes, it I was, yes. I think that or made, is. Yes. Yeah. I didn't make the word up. I mean, it's yeah. around. You know? <laughs> but, but we kind of parlayed it through that. And, yeah. And, yeah. And Jeff's like, no, I own that. And I'm like, okay. So ahead. I needed I needed to add Zeitgeist in because Robin mentioned it earlier <laughs> in this podcast that I hadn't mentioned it yet. So I wanted to make sure I put that in there. Yeah, the video was huge for this song. Uh, Gigantic. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, it was inspired by the movie Rock and Roll High School by the Ramones mm. and the 1979 really? movie called Over the Edge which is where they showed uh, kids destroying a high school that's the only <laughs> oh. thing about they were gonna it they going to say kids dying in their crib Rob I think that was, I thought that was a theme for tonight <laughs> and, and, and just as a, a holy sidebar Nirvana has recently been sued their estate has recently been sued includes Dave Grohl and oh no and uh, anyway by Spencer Eldon who's the baby on the cover yeah he sued the band for child pornography mm-hmm. <laughs> for a money grab. And I love Grohl's quote on this. He goes, I didn't force you to get that nevermind tattoo on your arm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Grohl's the best. Or do, like a a money shoot, grab, yeah. Yeah, do a shoot of him naked in a pool. Or he was wearing trunks in a pool, you know, yeah, redoing to... the shoot Yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, that, it's all right. But yeah. anyway, this is really the song. Uh, it changed everything. The clean, it, it did. The clean verse. Yes. Just clean guitar, almost like dry 
nothing guitar into the heaviness of when he steps on the distortion pedal. That's how he really did dynamics yeah. in the song. Yes. Kurt's, By the way, Grohl's a pretty good drummer also. Oh, he's an amazing drummer. <laughs> yeah. The difference between Bleach and Nevermind mm -hmm. is Dave Grohl. Yeah. Yeah. It's when Dave Grohl came on board, they just it lifted him it's to that next level and it put them above everything. What is it? You're only as good as your drummer and he just adds that little bit of groove. Yeah. Right? That you just it's hard to find. All right, let's listen to <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, the album that changed everything, never mind, our number one for 1991 and probably in the 90s, let's be real. Yeah. Let's listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit. One smells like Teen Spirit. That was a great song, though. Can we oh, talk about that? Oh yeah, song? oh it was fantastic. Even all those grunge. One of the things that separated them was they were all really well recorded. They really pushed the boundaries on right on how they recorded, how they mic yeah. the drums, what rooms they were micing the drums in. I mean, they did a really good job with how they actually captured the recordings. Butch Vig was a busy man in '91. I know he did. Never mind. Mm -hmm. He also produced and and recorded uh, Smashing Pumpkins' Gish album. Yeah, his producing you know expertise has been so. Huge on the album. Just listen to Bleach, listen to this. Besides Dave Grohl, the sound quality, as Jeff was saying, so much higher. But Rob, this is 1991, and you didn't play my song. Never fear. Never we'll talk fear. about something. We have what's called Miss the Cut, and we're going to play all the songs that Miss the Cut by all three of us. Mm -hmm. So let's start with Jeff. Jeff, you had four songs that missed the cut. Your number eight, I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt from the Luck of the Draw album. Make you love me if you don't. You can make your heart feel something it won't. Your number nine, Walk on the Ocean by Toad the Wet Sprocket from the Fear album. Your number 10, Right Now, by Van Halen, off of the Four Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album. And finally, your number 11, Learning to Fly, by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, off of Into the Great Wide Open. Jeff, what do you want to speak about? Um, I think because our mutual friend and podcaster, Stephen Petrie, said this needs to be on the list, I'm going to say I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. Okay. It's a beautiful song. Her voice is amazing. It's so well structured. It's a beautiful song. It really is. And she performs it so well and is so spot on. Yeah, the song is about a woman who knows her man has lost interest, but 
wants to spend one more night with him before moving on with her life. Yeah, I don't care what the song's about. It just sounds good. Okay, great. I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt is a, a good choice. And all your songs were decent in the middle there. Decent? So, Ooh, that's a shot across the decent. bow. That's a shot. But let's move over to... I tried to pick something a little out of the ordinary. No, that's you did picked. good. You did, like, I learned to fly a love and... Uh, Throw a little country music in yeah, there. Good for you, right. Jeff. Bonnie Raitt, quick little thing. Where was Bonnie Raitt born, do you think? Give me a region of the country. Where was Bonnie Raitt born? Northeast. Rob, Rob knows this. Sleepyville, Oklahoma. No, she's born in Burbank, California. Really? I yes. <laughs> so. I know that. We talked about that before. Yeah, we did. We talked about it the other night. <laughs> oh, anyway. All right. Let's go to the songs of mine that missed the cut. I had three songs that missed the cut. My number eight, Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn, off his self-titled album. When I was walking in Memphis, I was walking with my feet and feet off a beer. Walking in Memphis, but do I really feel the way? My number 10, Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet off of the Girlfriend album. You need to backing me on to the good end. Oh, just honey, believe me. Should I to call you my girlfriend? And my number 12, Life by the Drop by Stevie Ray Vaughan off of The Sky is Crying. Okay, I think I'm just going to talk about Life by the Drop by Stevie Ray Vaughan. There you go. Off of his Sky is Crying album, which came out after he died. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was going to University of Arizona. And bear I, down. I had a study. Yeah, bear down. <laughs> and I had a study Pretty for good. a test, which didn't matter in hindsight. And a bunch of people I was playing in a band with went to go see Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know him too much, so I'm just going to stay here and not go and mm-hmm. study or whatever. And they came back and raved and how yeah, amazing he right. was and all that stuff. And three months later, he was dead. Yeah. So it's been one of those moments where I realized that I made a huge mistake. Yeah. It would be nice to say you'd seen him or actually yeah. nice to see him. Nice to see him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I became a huge Steve Ray Vaughan fan. Mm. But this one song, mm-hmm. which is Life by the Drop, which he's just playing a 12 string, mm-hmm. really naked. And you don't get Steve Ray Vaughan yeah. that way, really. He didn't write this, but his childhood friend wrote it for him, mm. which is Doyle Bramhall, who actually played drums and some background vocals on his family style album with his brother. And how I always thought about it as Life by the Drop is about alcoholism. Mm. And actually, until researching this podcast, I think... It's really about just about two friends meeting up after a long while. And Life by the Drop is just their meeting with each other for mm-hmm. that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Life by the Drop that we've kind of lost each other, but we come together for this little drop of time together. Okay. So I didn't really know that. And Life by the Drop, one of my favorite tunes. So let's roll over to Ralph's Songs That Missed the Cut. Let's do it. Ralph, you had four songs that missed the cut. Your number nine, Bad Fish by Sublime off of Shaw Won't Pay the Bills. Number 10, Civil War by Guns N' Roses off of Use Your Illusion 2. Number 
your number 11, Safe From Harm by Massive Attack, off of the Blue Lines album. Your number 12, What You Give by Tesla, off of Psychotic Supper. So Rob, I'm going to go with a small little L.A. rock band called Guns N' Roses. Sure. A little surprised that the Use Your Illusion albums, one and two, didn't come up in the top 12, but... It's really not my favorite Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Civil War just missed my list. It really did. Yeah, Civil War was actually on the edge of my list as well. But as I went through it, I I bought that the day it came out. I bought... I actually could only afford at that time one of the albums. Mm. Which one did you get? I think I got Usual Illusion one because that right. was the first one. Yeah. Has this happened before? Where obviously there's double albums out there, but a band releases two separate albums on the same day. I think at the time it was very novel. Yeah. Like it, they I had so called, many. I think it's called songs. a double album with a money grab. Yeah. <laughs> it could be that too. I remember at the time it was very novel yeah. because they had so many songs. Could they have released one album that was better if they just pared it down to Absolutely. the top yeah. 10, if, out, if 10 they, songs? If right? they chose the right 12, because there's right. a lot of good songs on both one and two. Yep. So I, when Appetite. Well, a lot of them are covers, just saying. When Appetite came out, I was not a huge, huge Appetite for Destruction. Wrong! Now, I've, I've learned to obviously like Appetite mm-hmm. for Destruction. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden I heard, I think Civil War was one of the first singles that came out. If for, not the first, yeah. yeah I, I think right. it was the first. It was actually the last song that Steven Adler played with Guns N' Roses. Oh, okay. really? started hearing this song on the radio more and more. And I was like, you know what? I actually really liked So this. This song kind of pulled me into Guns N' Roses, and now I'm right. a huge, huge Guns N' Roses fan. Yeah, this is the song that pulled you into Guns N' Roses? Yes, surprisingly. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, not many I people I was an appetite guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Lies, even. I love that album. Yeah, yeah. Lies is a, a wonderful also. I'm even a Spaghetti Incident guy, so... I was going to say, um, for you being a, a Sunset Strip guy, too, back, back in the day, yep. I would have thought... The appetite would have been right up your alley. Yeah. But. Just love this song. You know, it starts out slow. Obviously, Axel's uh, uh, vocals come in and he's just got that screeching noise. And, and then want to just give a shout out to Slash. Did just, I mention Slash is a huge Michael Shanker fan? That I mentioned? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's either. a pretty good guitar player, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Izzy Stradlin, very underappreciated guitar player and songwriter because he's sitting next to Slash and sitting next to Axel. But Izzy Stradlin's awesome. And, and I, I know he had a lot to do with the writing of Appetite and, and the writing. I think he held, for, the, he held the structure together. He really yeah. did of the songs. Right? Yes. Yeah. But just a wonderful song. Yeah, no, it's a great song. Civil War by Guns N' Roses. Oh, I almost forgot. We need to be kind and rewind. Just wanted to take a second to remind people what the top 12 songs were for the year 1991. Number 12, It Ain't Over Till It's Over by Lenny Kravitz. Number 11, Two Princes by The Spin Doctors. Number 10, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Number 9, Pound Cake, Van Halen. Number 8, I Am One by Smashing Pumpkins. Number seven, Under the Bridge, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Number six, Rusty Cage by Soundgarden. Number five, Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog. Number four, One by U2. Number three, Enter Sandman by Metallica. Number two, Jeremy by Pearl Jam. 
And number one song of 1991, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. This, this has been fun, man. Yes. Rob, absolutely. again, thank through. you so much. Thank you, both of you, for, Rob, thank you so for much. making it here. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. Good hanging with you, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, everybody who's made it to this point in the podcast. I truly appreciate all of you, and that's not hyperbole. One of the cool things is all of you who are listening to this podcast have actually picked the bands that we did this season, and you're in the process of helping us pick next season, which is just really awesome. So far, you've selected Weezer, Alice Cooper, System of a Down, Allman Brothers, Black Sabbath, The Police, and Garth Brooks, and currently... We're in this potpourri category, which you can vote for this week, which has a bunch of artists in it that you wouldn't necessarily expect. George Thorogood and the Destroyers, Huey Lewis and the News, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts, uh, Michael Jackson, R.E.M., Stevie Wonder, the, Lo- the Lonely Island, which is Andy Samberg, who does the SNL shorts. That's his band. And that's where all the shorts came from for SNL. Tina Turner and... Ooh, this is kind of a grab bag week, huh? Weird Al. <laughs> so so you can pick which one you want to do from that really appreciate everybody taking the time to make a vote and caring about this podcast is just wonderful and thank you so much uh, me and jake are gonna run the next two podcasts through which is 1990 and the 1990s so you're gonna do 1990 and then recap the 90s yes so it's gonna be awesome and thank you all for being here we love you thank you jeff well thank, thank you, you Rob. thanks for inviting us back thank you rob yep appreciate it and we will see you in two weeks God bless. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Peace.